we drew so many parallels between you know natural winemakers and you know and punk bands and and you know that there's a lot of shared kind of uh, not just aesthetic but also attitude you know it was kind of it was it was a pretty kind of uh easy thing to kind of draw, draw the line between this is the deep in the weeds podcast i'm anthony huckstep Over the last 12 months, life has changed for most of us on the planet. We've made decisions we never thought we'd make, gone in directions we'd dreamed of, and taken paths that posed potential threats and opportunities. Although there has been amazing support from the Australian Federal Government, there have been controversies. No help for international workers on visas, and allowing access to funds like early release of superannuation which threatens to affect people down the track. What impact has this had on those forced to draw on this early? Ty Tate is the co-owner of Built to Spill Wine, a collaborative music and wine project. Ty, how are you going, mate? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. You've had a hell of a 10 months. Um, you've, you're one of the people that uh, were in a position to... Uh, it, with a need to draw on superannuation early, uh, take take us back to that time. What, how how was it trying to deal with that decision to access your money um, quite early? Because you, you're quite young still. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, you know, in some ways, it's a, a little bit easier when you when you when you think you're you're pretty far away from retiring to to draw down on that kind of thing. But um, you know, when <clears throat> when it happened it was you know just as the the world was you know turned on its head properly with with covid um and you know i was i was fully employed at the time um and you know <clears throat> and that and right in the early stages of of covid happening there there was there was a moment there where we no no one knew if we we're going to be able to work in places or if anyone's job was really secure or if you know if we're actually going to be able to leave the house or do anything like that at all, um, and so I kind of, I really just kind of like jumped jump the gun on just making making a decision and um, and going you know uh, put pulling the trigger on just you know getting getting something on the way to get started, um, make, making a business with with some friends of mine. So you were you were employed sort of just before the pandemic, and then. Um you were no longer employed and you drew on the money. Was Did it take some serious thinking to sort of access that money? It definitely does. But the, um, I think, you know, like what, what COVID did to like a lot of, um, especially hospitality people was, you know, I know everyone talks about pivoting all the time, but not so much pivoting, but I think um, it gave a, a lot of us, a good a good jumping off point to make changes that we've been wanting to make for a long time um and so i kind of you know over over many years there's been many many carrots dangled and you know ideas of you know starting businesses and whatnot when but when you're comfortable and kind of you know just trying to get by um it's a little bit harder to just to just pull the trigger and make it happen um and so, you know, obviously I didn't, I didn't have a bunch of savings or anything like that at all. Um, and we, we kind of, a, a really great opportunity came up at the same time with the, 
with the unified guys, her, um, our business partners, um, and said, you know, we're we're happy to help you out. You know, start this this project. Um, you got any cash? <laughs> I just found out how I can get some. <laughs> well, it's a really interesting uh, project. You've uh, you embrace the world of music and food in equal measure and uh, mm. and fervent measure. Well, tell us a bit about what Built to Spill Wine is. Well, you know, it's it, it is a, a massive um, collaboration in and of itself. Um, you know, really bringing the the world of music together via, you know, my partners, um, Trad and Tyler, who started Crowbar, um, you know, one of the most seminal, uh, you know, heavy music venues um, in, in Australia, um, <clears throat> you know, starting off in Brisbane and then, you know, in equal parts in, in Sydney now as well. Um, and then also Unify, who, you know, of course, have, have an amazing uh, stable of, of artists and musicians, um, international and national and domestic as well, um, and you know all, all these all these people that that are you know so invested in, in the music world also really love wine and and love love drinking better. And we, we'd kind of spent so much time together, <clears throat> you know, but, you know, never never drinking, always tasting, of course. Um, <laughs> and um, and you know, it, it was kind of it, we drew so many parallels between you know, natural winemakers and, you know, and punk bands and, and, you know, that there's a lot of shared kind of uh, not just aesthetic, but also attitude, you know, it was kind of, it was, it was a pretty kind of uh, easy thing to kind of draw, draw the lines between. Um, and then it kind of also came down to, it was like, okay, well, how are we going to be different? Like what's, what's going to set us apart and what are our favorite things? It's like, yeah, booze, uh, music and merch, like uh, I collect so much merch, it's stupid. And it's just like if you just smash that all together, like yeah, that's uh, then you'll find some other people that are just like us. <laughs> well, the music you listen to is definitely on the heavier end of the spectrum, like myself. And you know, it's often considered a contradiction to mix the world of fine dining or fine wine with that world. What what do you what do you think it is about those two worlds that do actually work together? I mean, I guess. <clears throat> like like with like the heavy music world and and what I think like you know at, at its at its best like really good wine um you know is is made with like passion and it should be you know vibrant and exciting or you know or or make make you think and and you know it's like it can be everything from you know like ride the lightning style you know, just make you just want to go crazy and, and pour it into your eyeballs sort of vibe or, <laughs> or, or, or like, you know, you, you can, you can sit on that for a while and it's like, you know, really good early black Sabbath and it's, you know, it's pretty stoic and you know, that, that kind of vibe as well. You know what I mean? When you say there's a collaboration between the two, can you give us an idea of some of um, some of the things you've been offering and how that collaboration between the music and wine works? Yeah, for sure. So um, the first one we did was, um, which was kind of a no-brainer, really, um, was we made a, a goon goon box with um, with the band the Chats, um, who are like you know a little little punk band from Queensland. They toured with Queens of Stone Age and they're friends with Iggy Pop and stuff now. And then they sing about Smoko and pub feeds and you know lots of good Australiana kind of vibes and. Um, 
and we, we talked to them about about doing doing a project together. And this is this is when everyone was still locked down as well. Um, and they they were like, yeah, of course we'll do something like, but you know, it has to be a goon. And and funnily enough, like um, you know, uh, goon is now kind of seen as a pretty sustainable way to to package, you know, wine and, and to kind of get around. There's less, less of an environmental impact. Um, and my friend Greg um, from Delinquente and the Riverland, we've been chatting about doing some projects together. And um, and, I, and I said, you know, the, the chats are keen to, to they, they want to do a white goon, like classic, like what have you got? And he, he put together some samples and, you know, <laughs> sent, sent them in the post. And we, we got into Zoom chats with everyone and, you know, talked about what we liked and didn't like and, uh, it was a very like bizarre kind of workaround of you know what our original kind of plan was of you know get, getting a band to come down and stomp on grapes or whatever, but um, <laughs> ended up being this this really cool delicious um, juice juice box and um, and the and the the boys really liked it um, and we got uh, local artist Streetless to do this like insane design on the box that's just like screams screams are yet so bright and colorful and awesome like an ibis you know doing doing a layback of goon on the front and <laughs> um and you know like that that's like that's like something fun and like you know it's a really really uh good wine um and their their fans are you know they're pretty pretty wide ranging but a lot of them wouldn't drink wine or definitely wouldn't know what natural wine is um, so it's been really fun just kind of like, you know, put, pushing the boat out and trying to kind of trying to get a, get everyone on board this to, to join the cult, you know. <laughs> Have you been surprised by the positive response that you've had from the market since launching the brand? Um, yeah, like um, pleasant, pleasantly surprised. It's, it's always weird when you, um, you know, show, show you something you've created to, to the world and, someone someone's stoked it's, it makes you feel pretty good about yourself um but at the same time as well like we we believe in everything we do i, I know you know all the winemakers we work with personally and um you know i know they wouldn't give me a bum steer if you will <laughs> so it's um you know it's kind of yeah it's it's been it's been really good and we've been really stoked but um yeah, we, we believe in it so much. You've worked at some pretty um, influential venues on Sydney's culinary landscape that injected incredible energy and vibrancy into the, the scene. And we can get to those shortly, but where did the hospitality industry start for you? Um, it started when I was like 13, 14. Um, so that's, yeah, what, 15, 16 years ago. Um, wash, washing dishes in a local cafe. Um which was which was heaps of fun. They they also like I, I come from a really small town in the middle of the North Island of New Zealand, which is like a it's a ski field town. So, um, you know, winter winter tourism is is you know where it's at. Me and my mum used to rent out, you know, floor space for young backpackers to come and you know do their snowboarding and stuff. So, <clears throat> working in hospitality was really big, you know, for four or five months of the year every year. And the, this place I worked at, I'd, I'd do you know a couple of uh, a couple of hour shifts in the um, in the afternoon, washing dishes, and then they, they would do dinner service um, at night as well, which um, which I got really excited about because the, you know the chefs would always like you know cook up 
shitty offcuts of steak and I'm, you know, <laughs> like this is great. And you know, I was, I was only, I was only young and we'd, we'd close up and they'd give me a beer at the end. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> um, and then, and then from there, um, I got my first waiting job when I was, yeah, maybe 15, 15, 16 at a place called the powder keg, which is, um, uh, like a massive hotel, like quintessential apres ski kind of, you know, like heaps of fires all made out of, you know, big logs, polished timber and, you know, crazy ski shack of just like, there's like a fine dining restaurant upstairs, but then, you know, like super rowdy uh, tourists just getting loaded and you know, lots of Jägermeister and things like that. Like that's, that's when I started drinking Jägermeister and soon stopped drinking Jägermeister. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you ended up in Australia. What what brought you over over here? Um, well, <clears throat> it's kind of what everyone in New Zealand does. It's like once you kind of get to the end of where you can go, um, and you know, once everyone's like slept with each other or whatever, then they go go somewhere else. <laughs> um, and uh, everyone everyone in Wellington goes to Melbourne usually, um, and I I wanted to mix it up and and go to Sydney instead, where I didn't really know anyone at all um and but i did i did uh know someone by association my my good friends who i work for in wellington a place called scorpa the, the breslin brothers one of their old old school friends who also used to cook in one of their restaurants he was the head chef at bodega um and so he managed to nab, nab me a job when i moved over at 21 um which is pretty cool because it was like you know being like being at home and in Wellington and, you know, gourmet traveler for us, you know, looking online and people, you know, buy the magazines and stuff like that. Um, you know, that was, you know, there was like Kerrang for hospitality, you know, like we'd every, everyone read that and be like, Oh my God, like check out these restaurants in Australia. They're so cool. <laughs> and, you know, like uh, there, there was a bar we used to go to in, in Wellington called the Watusi which was like, you know, like a rockabilly kind of place. And so I was, I was, I'd already been, you know, slicking my hair back and, you know, get, uh, dreaming up my, you know, can I get the $3,000 mixture of tattoos, please? And that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so it was, it was like, yeah, it was, it was a pretty easy, um, easy slot in there. So that was heaps of fun, but also like terrifying as well. It's like, hey, well, welcome to the big leagues of, of Australia. Well, Bodega really changed the trajectory of, casual but sophisticated dining uh in australia was part of that whole shift um what, what was it like working there oh man it was it was wild like exactly like high energy um but you know you you have to be completely on point at all the times um you know there was it was the first time i'd you know been involved like food tests and you know all these kind of things it's like so i knew the dishes in and out you know <laughs> which was, which is really cool. And it does, it does give you, um, this really cool, uh, you know, confidence and, 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 and power on the floor. Um, and it was, it was a really, really good time. Like, you know, super stressful, um, of course, but like it was a, it was a really good, you know, steep learning curve. Whereas, you know, cause, because Australia is seen like, or, or was seen back, back then anyway, um, as a place where you could go and make hospitality a career. You've worked at uh, other venues. You're involved in Paperbird when it opened early, and and Mary's. You're 
that was a big part of your career and that, that had a huge shift with the, with the burger um, uprising in Australia or American-style burgers. What, what was it like working and being part of that? It was it was wild, yeah. Um, you know, one, once again, uh, high energy. Um, you know, pre- pretty pretty extreme. Um, you know, it was I, I was the one that wrote Slayer everywhere. Um, so there was probably like the my highlight of that that kind of time was, you know, being able to, um, you know, express express myself and and in those kind of ways and and really like fall in love like with heavy metal again. Um, <clears throat> which was which was pretty fun, um, but it was it was yeah it was definitely cool to be a part of something interesting and and different and re- rethink, um, kind of that that same that same model again of like you know that casual but um, you know knowledgeable and and delivering a good product, and that that's you know that's where I fell in love with natural wine and and really got involved with. Um, you know, it's where I met a lot of winemakers through, you know, them coming to party after rootstock. Um, I remember like when the Georgian crew would come in, like after after a you know, a gnarly day of tasting these massive Eastern European um like beefy bear dudes just like super hairy, just like taking their shirts off and lifting me up on their shoulders while, you know, like Pantera's playing on the jukebox or something. It's like, oh my God, this is the best. <laughs> you need to have something like this in Georgia. <laughs> well it's really interesting because Mary's is or was renowned for its burgers and loud music, but there wasn't a lot of attention paid, particularly in the media, to the to the wine list, um, which you had a lot to do with. And it was pretty extraordinary, really. And um, what was it like being involved, you know, creating that list and, and dealing with those winemakers? Like, um, like all that part was was sick. Um, I love that. Um, you know, getting getting to, you know, hang out with um, so many, so many um, legends of the of the Australian wine scene and and international wine scene as well, um, and suppliers and you know, <clears throat> it was there's it, it is cool having something that is secret, um, but then you know, Andrew Gard, who's um, you know one one of our suppliers was one of our suppliers there and one of the best suppliers in the country. Um, he talked about people. Um, that that buys wine and and just hold on to it and never sell any. Um, more, talking about more like private buyers and things like that, but it's like you know, wine. You shouldn't put wine in a zoo. Like you you, you get it. It should be enjoyed. And so there, there was that part which was like, oh come on guys, come and come and see this 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 crazy list and, and get involved. Um, but yeah, it, it offered me up lots of lots of great opportunity um, for you know hang out with people like Tara Sakata and. Um, you know James Erskine from Jama, and we, we did lots of project wines with those guys, and it was, it was awesome to go down to Adelaide Hills and and um, you know get get stuck into it with them. Tell us about your your interest in wine. I know you sort of briefly mentioned the natural wine and the interest in that um, that type of wine. But tell us about your passion and and where where that is. I guess you know the the sustainability aspect. Um, is is something that I, I I find really important, um, but I I think what the the cool thing about natural wine was to me was, um, 
when that when I first started getting into it and and meeting these people and and meeting new friends, um, it was really about getting rid of gatekeepers of of wine and um, not making it so exclusive and making it approachable and making it fun and you know uh, and and an exciting thing to be a part of, which you know. I'd had many years of fine dining and, and you know in New Zealand and whatnot and wine wine had become like a, a necessary kind of um you know tool in your arsenal to to use. Um but it wasn't something that I was ever really truly excited about until I started trying these new styles and, and meeting these new people and it was it was when, when I could taste these wines and I could that actually made me feel like I was I was there with those people again and, and, and feeling that excited. And just, you know, that it was, that it was real people as well. It wasn't wasn't getting made in a factory or, or getting made by a computer program, you know what I mean? You've you've done all sorts of things um with built to spill, but but one of them is um the wine and vinyl packs. How how do you go about um, putting them together and getting them right for consumers, given the variations in taste of music out there. Well, it's it's one of those things. It's like, you know, there's there's definitely cleaner styles of wine, and there's 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 spikier styles of wine as well. Um, there is like one of the easiest ones that we put together was like the the family values pack, you know, just in time for Christmas, which is like, you know, clean styles of wine that that you know do what they say on the label a little bit they're not they're very varietally correct and things like that um and then there's things like the the thrash metal pack or something like that and that's when we can kind of get a bit cloudy and get a little bit weird and the acid can get a little bit more volatile and things can be fizzy and um it's definitely mostly down to taste but then that's it, it does get a bit hard sometimes when there's like the most boring label in the world and the wine inside is just like definitely Mr. Bungle, <laughs> but it's like, it's the wiggles on the cover and you're just like, oh man, I'm going to give this to to some guy who's got, you know, spiky leather bracelets and long greasy hair and just kind of freak out. <laughs> so there's like, we have definitely considered maybe wrapping, wrapping some bottles up and just be like, all right, try everything blind first and then see how you go. You also did a collaboration with uh, Thy Art is Murder. Can you tell us tell us about how that started and then the sort of wine that was produced? Yeah, well, that was a that was a really cool one actually because um, uh, Marshy is the guitar player, um, and he's a he's a really old friend of um, Trad's, uh, my my business partner from Crowbar. Um, he had he had been a guitar tech when on old old tours with him, and and you know obviously they are playing their venues and whatnot as well, um, and he's like a massive massive wine fan and wine and food fan just like um psycho genius when it comes to cooking and just you know knowing how to live and um he was was stuck in in canberra actually um he's down down by you guys um and uh and he he was like all right i'm I'm down you guys doing this thing like we've got to do one like sign me up like how, how can i do it we we just I think Canberra just came out of like they just opened the borders in New South Wales and um they, they drove up and and uh we we had lunch at Continental and got got stuck into a few bottles and 
um, I had uh, I had this thing, I had this bottle from uh, from Al from Kimpiramaru. Um, who I don't know if you've met Al before, but he's just like a walking encyclopedia of anything to do with music. Like you can be a jazz dude, you can be, you know, a, <clears throat> a fresh middle guy, whatever, and he'll just he'll have a story and have a tidbit about everything. And so we we, we just kind of bought bought this bottle out, this like chilled red, and and he tasted it and, and loved it and was like, all right, sweet, this is this is the perfect this is the perfect combo. <clears throat> and um and told told Al that they were keen to keen to work with the wine as well, and um. And he just he had already actually just been listening to the band like all day in the winery, bot- bottling everything up. Um, and we, we had like yeah, massive chat chat about it. And he's like, he's like, you know, like I think if you go into Viata's Murders like discography, you can actually you can pinpoint every single one of their influences back to here. And I've drawn this graph. <laughs> it was just like it's amazing. Um, so that, that was that was a really cool. Um, it was a cool one to do together because it was definitely um, definitely people that were right um, in the in the same mindset of you know someone so obsessed with with wine and 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 someone really obsessed with metal at the same time, um, and then uh, ever ever since we made the the thy art uh, wine for Marshy, he's just been like buying up all of our good wine every single week, <laughs> <laughs> which has been pretty cool. You've really uh, destroyed the myth of fine wine with fine dining experiences with this new project that you have. But what's important to a wine experience for you? Um, temperature. Drinking things at the right temperature. Everyone drinks things too warm or too cold. Um, also, people like get a bit too weird about glasses. Like I don't, I don't really care about what it goes in as long as you know it. It hasn't had like um, no one's been eating eggs with <laughs> and drunk or drunk water out of it before or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I think that's the most important thing. Um, like yeah, not not being afraid to kind of um, you know chuck ice and things that need ice or you know break break some rules a little bit where where it's needed. I, I always liked when um, you know try, trying um, like really reductive, stinky, farty wines before and hang out with winemakers and then go, you know, it's a bit spritzy and it's a bit full on. And they go, nah, just shove your thumb in it and shake it up a bit and then it'll sort itself out. <laughs> I, I, I like that kind of vibe. Um, but yeah, I think <clears throat> I think for like as far as eating, everything just just sharing everything and. Get not not I, I don't know I I hate going out to fine dining now. I haven't really been out at all for for the last little while because been working too much and everything's been kind of a bit weird. But yeah, but sharing stuff and just just keep it coming. <laughs> what do you think have been the main influences in your career that have led to this point? That's given you the confidence to go and do a product that's um, so different like this. I mean, <clears throat> I think. I think definitely just um, working in such a wide variety of places, um, and working with people that have, that have been very confident to um, to push their idea, um, you know, far enough along and just believe in it the whole way. Um, that people get swept up in it as well. Um, you know, work, like I've worked really hard a, a lot of my. A lot of my life, I've done I've done many many big weeks of my time, 
um, and been been put, pushed pretty far to the edge on, on numerous occasions. Um, and I think, you know, I feel like I've come back stronger after all, all those times. Um, so it's, it's, I've, I've definitely like, you know, put, put myself on the line for making other people a lot of money. It was actually pretty, pretty easy to kind of do it this time. You know what I mean? Um, it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to, I'm going to stay at the warehouse until four o'clock in the morning and pack these 300 orders. So they get to this, you know, this kid's house on time. Like, yeah. Cause I want to make them have a good time. And it's, it's, it's my, my name on everything. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's actually, uh, it's made everything very easy. Drawing on some um, money that you would have got down the track and taking the risk with a, with a project that um, is a little bit different to what's out there. Has it changed you and the way that you approach um, the, the industry and what you do? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Um, the thing, uh, the thing I've realized um, with, with a lot of this um, going on um, and um, a lot of people changing up and, um, you know, and working um, so much uh, more community focused and, um what, what does uh, someone say that everyone's everyone's saying to operate hyper locally, um, and I thought I thought there was a really a really cool idea, um, and it's something it's something that I've I've always like firmly believed in. Like um, we're all we're all kind of doing the same thing, um, and that's cool. The, the more of us are doing the same thing, whether they be slight variations of each, each thing can only end up being better for all of us um, down the track. The more people we get uh, involved to, to like what we do, um, the better it's going to be for all of us. The more people are buying good wine, um, the more people start making good wine, the more, you know, it, it has this flow on effect. And so, you know, that's, that's been something I've, I've been really want to push forward with now that I have my own thing um, as being, you know, really supportive of the rest of the industry um, and, you know, trying to, trying to work together with, with a lot more people to kind of have like, you know, more, more, more of a plan and, and more, more of a positive kind of outlook on it. Whereas it's not, it's not just, you know, grab, grab, grab as much cash as we can and run sort of thing. Like the sustainability doesn't stop at the bottle, you know? You've told us about some of the uh, crazy and fun collaborations that you've done so far with Built to Spill Wine, but uh, what's what's on the horizon for it? Have you got any any plans uh, that you can tell us about? Oh, we've got. I'm not I'm not allowed to tell you any of the 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 next ones coming out because there's a few really big ones as well, um, but uh, they are going to be very entertaining. Um, we are we are pushing as hard as we can to get more. Uh, get more content out and about um <laughs> but in terms of like future future things that aren't completely locked in yet um we've been talking to a lot of a lot of friends um winemakers and whatnot who are experimenting with um you know putting speakers uh inside wine barrels and <laughs> and um and seeing um seeing how they end up listening to you know, 365 days worth of Jimmy Barnes. Um, <laughs> so the, 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 the Jimmy, the Jimmy Barnes, uh, Sauvignon Blanc, um, <laughs> should be really good. Um, 
no, but not actually Jimmy Barnes. But I can't tell you who who they actually are listening to. But um, that'd be that'd be actually pretty cool. The um, apparently the the ferment starts to bubble in time to the music. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like as as soon as people can start moving around properly and whatnot, um, we want to go crazy with it. We want to be at music festivals. We want to, um, you know, we want to run crazy tasting events with with bands playing and um you know want to do do stupid wine tastings with all kinds of people and all that sort of stuff um so this we're we're very much doing you know the the, what what we can at the moment but uh, our horizon is very very broad and very very electric (laughs) well ty um good on you mate for rolling the dice and delivering a really unique offering to the community. It's um, it's not going to be for everyone, but it's certainly going to be for many. Um, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds. Please keep in touch, and I can't wait to check out this uh, thing on the horizon with the music in the in the barrel. That sounds incredible. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>